program is here to help parents and caregivers not just survive remote and hybrid learning, but to thrive during it by providing free support and resources tailored specifically to what families need. SPARC is part of the Learning Technology Center of Illinois. The LTC is an Illinois State Board of Education program that supports all public K-12 districts, schools, and educators through technology initiatives, services, and professional learning opportunities. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Spark Parent Podcast. Today, we are doing the second in a four-part series talking about the Distance Learning Playbook for Parents book. It's a book by Rosalind Wiseman, Douglas Fisher, Nancy Frey, and John Hattie that's talking about how to support your child's academic, social, and emotional development in any setting. It's especially applicable during remote and hybrid learning like we are experiencing today. So today's guest on the topic of the importance of reading is Holly Kelly. Holly Kelly is a regional educational technology coordinator for the LTC, and she's also a former librarian. Hi, Holly. Welcome. Hey, Colleen. Thanks for having me today. So Holly, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have been in public education for 14 years, and I worked as a high school sophomore English teacher for a few years and then became a high school library media specialist and did a lot of work with ed tech, uh, especially these last few years. And I also received a master's back in 2011 in counseling. So I am now working at the Learning Technology Center of Illinois, and I've been with the LTC for about four months now. So this is a pretty much a new gig for me, but really exciting. And I love working with a lot of uh, ed tech tools. And I, like you said, just to reiterate, I am a regional ed tech coordinator. So I provide a lot of professional development for teachers and support staff and administrators uh, in a K-12 building um, in Illinois East. So again, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so let's get into what we're going to talk about today. So the entire second chapter of the Distance Learning Playbook for Parents is focusing on the importance of reading at home, reading with your children, making sure that your kids keep reading throughout the entirety of this time when they're not in a school building. And I think a lot of parents struggle with that and how to get their kids reading, how to get them interested, how to talk to them about what they're reading and things like that. So what we're going to talk about today is giving you a lot of practical, realistic strategies that you can take and implement in your home with your children. Additionally, we have a ton of extra resources that we're going to be referencing throughout the episode today that will be posted in the show notes. So things like uh, websites where you can go and get digital libraries of eBooks for free, uh, podcasts that focus on stories and storytelling with your students, apps, websites, resources, tons of things that you can use to really up your reading game at home with your students. So the first thing Let's talk about why. Why is it important for students to be reading independently, especially now that we're in either remote learning or hybrid learning environments? Yeah, absolutely. This is a, a great question to start with, with the why. And being a mom of two children, I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old that's in second grade. Uh, and then also, like I just mentioned, with a 12-year background as a library media specialist, um, 
the question of why is reading independent so important? And with or without remote and hybrid learning environments, this question is always relevant as to why it's important for students to be reading independently. So, um, yeah. right? I mean, if we're, if we're remote or not, it's just, I think as parents now, we have this extra pressure to not only be reading that 20 minutes a day, but now to be reading plus that as teachers and parents. So it's a really hard line to draw that I find as a parent um, of a remote learner, how mm -hmm. we navigate that. So with that, reading independently has a colossal impact on literacy development, which we hear all the time, um, in helping students become avid and proactive readers, meaning they want to read on their own. I mean, it is every parent's dream to be able to have a kid say, hey, mom, I'm going to go to my bedroom and read, read for 20 minutes, right? <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> I mean, that's what we all want. You know, we don't want our kids to be... <laughs> Yeah, pleading over their iPads is what I usually get. So that, that dream is alive with me, and it's something that we don't have a perfect picture reading home, but we are always working on it. And um, when I use a lot of these strategies, it really helps me as a, a teacher of a, or I should say a facilitator of a remote learner, and then also just as a mom. Um, so with that, children who read independently on their own, they just become better readers. They're not only more confident um, going into those achievement tests, so they have that less anxiety going into it, but they do better and have a gra greater overall content knowledge across all subjects when they're just reading independently on their own, not because it's required for school. Some schools say, you know, read those 20 minutes a day, and that's what they're referring to for that independent reading. Um, so also all of the positive attributes come from the idea that students are able to make choices about what they're reading, which then increases the likelihood that they will in fact read. And what I mean by that, and Colleen, I'm sure you experienced this with having a son yourself. If you give us your son a book on dancing teddy bears, let's just assume he doesn't like dancing teddy bears, right? Uh, he's not going to be interested in reading it. But if you give him a book on dinosaurs that he absolutely loves, he's right. going to be interested in reading it. Right. Um, and, and when recently went to our public library and I think cleaned out their entire yeah. transportation section because we okay, yeah. are very into cars and he gets excited to go up to his room and sit in his special tent and, and read all of his car books. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So what you're doing as a parent is you're encouraging that independent reading because you're giving your, your child that choice. So the very first thing here is with independent reading, students have choice to pick the books they want to read. Even if they're rereading their favorite book a hundred times, mm -hmm. they're still reading it. Um, and that's really important because then when they're able to read a book that they want, they're able to talk about it. Uh, and that as adults, we can totally relate to because if someone right. gives you something to read about that you're not interested in, you're going to have a really hard time talking about it or being passionate about talking about it. Um, and then the second part of this is just us wanting our, as parents, wanting our kids to want to talk about what they're reading is that second part. Um, so it's, it's the same thing for students that trickles down from 
parents, you know, if we don't want to read it, we're not going to be interested in it. Kids feel the same way. And then ultimately practice is always key. Um, as adults, we always know the more you practice, the better we become at your craft and reading is the same um, as it increases vocabulary, comprehension and fluency. Uh, and ultimately for me, what I love about the independent reading and why it's so important is that a student's confidence increases and the ability for a student to know that this can transcend past reading. They know that if they can do this on their own, they then can do other things on their own as well. Um, and generally, I, I, maybe you can disagree or agree with me, Colleen. What do you think about it? If I feel as though if a student and what I've seen in my experience, like I said, in, in with my own children and as an educator and as a library um, librarian, if students like to read, they generally like school um, because they, right. feel, they feel good about it. Um, right. And reading is across all subjects. <laughs> Right. You can't get away from reading. Reading is going to be there no matter what you do. And it can really start opening up some other avenues for things that you're interested in. Because if a kid can read and maybe they're not thrilled with what they're doing in class, they can find independent reading that really speaks to them um, and still keep learning that way. There's also tons of really interesting research that's out there between that directly correlates the number of minutes students read a day to their ability to do well on standardized tests because standardized tests, they're all reading. Even the math, you have to read problems. Um, the science, you have to read through all of the science scenarios. So even if it doesn't seem like it's directly uh, sort of reading or literature based, reading is giving them that skill. There's um, a chart that's pretty widely available online and we can also put it in the show notes that um, Students that read um, about five minutes a day read about 251,000 words a year. But students that are reading 20 minutes a day, they're reading over a million words a year. If mm -hmm. they're reading 40 minutes a day, they're reading over 2 million words a year. Those words really stack up, even if you add an additional five minutes on um, to what your students are reading independently. It's really interesting how that can all add up and start really pushing students towards success. Yeah, and the um, book that you referenced, it's really interesting because in there, uh, that's also referenced. And I found it really interesting because uh, I read from the shared notes about, um, I think it was comic books, I believe. Maybe mm -hmm. you can uh, redirect me, but how uh, there was more unknown words in comic books. Right. Because a lot of parents, yeah, a lot like of- Like zap. Like exa who exactly. uses zap or kablam anymore? <laughs> yeah, and then we're teaching onomatopoeia with that. I mean, come on parents. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was really interesting because I think a lot of times, and I always saw this as a library media specialist is, parents discouraging, not always, but there would be parents that would discourage or teachers that would discourage kids from reading uh, graphic novels. Yeah. And if you have a student that does not enjoy reading, the fact that a student has a book in their hands and they're getting into that, that muscle memory and that momentum of reading, that's reading folks. Like, I mean, people right. are doing it. So as a parent, not a teacher, it is a hundred percent okay to uh, encourage that. If that is like we just talked about, if that's where their passion lies or that's where they're mm -hmm. interested, interested in, then feed that interest until you have that solid foundation um, for a love I of reading. I also think that 
the graphic novels really help. Some students just don't have the same imagination as mm-hmm. others, depending on their background, how much they were read to when they were younger. Some kids are just more literal than others and have a hard time picturing what's going on in a solely text-based book. But if you give them a graphic novel where everything is playing out in front of them like a movie, it helps scaffold some of their imagination and gives them, I think, the ability to sort of bridge over into some more mainstream, like, you know, chapter books um, that might not have as many pictures. It helps give them some of those skills if they can see the stories playing out in real time with pictures in their books. Yeah, the the value of reading too, you know, just to reference the, the reading that you had. What is the title of that, Colleen? I'm drawing a blank for the, the, yep, right there, the distance learning playbook parents. Yes, that's right. Sorry, I, I drew a blank there for a second. Um, there's actually something in there too that's interesting that was quoted. It said choice can impact the willingness to read, I believe. And I, that really struck me because that's kind of where this whole answering that why um, and coming back to that, why is it so important for students to be reading? It really correlates with that choice can impact the willingness to read. Um, and so that and kind of actually leads us why. Well, why is topic. it? Oh, sorry. I just talked yeah, over the entire sentence. So let's try that again. So that actually leads us into a second topic here. So what are some concrete strategies? So we've talked a lot in theory, but what are some concrete mm-hmm. strategies that parents can do to encourage students to be reading independently at home, whether they're little you know, elementary school, middle school, high school. Yeah. And that's the perfect question to follow up because the last, like you said, is all great in theory, but how do we get our students to love reading? Um, And let's go back a second. That's a strong word, love reading, Um, Mm -hmm. where a lot of us, some of you may be scoffing and, you know, spitting your coffee out thinking, (laughs) love, I can't even get my kid to want to pick up a book. Um, And I, and I understand it. We, we have those struggles too. And um, we don't as much anymore because as a parent here, I've taken my own advice as a librarian and put that into play in my home. And I've really seen great changes. Um, And this is a real challenge for families to encourage their kids and to get their kids not only reading, but wanting to read. Like I said earlier, mom, can I just go read in my room for 20 minutes? I mean, that's when like the, you know, moment will come. Um, yeah, it's, it's a defeating and serious challenge for some of us. And, and I empathize because I was there with you, um, especially even with my oldest daughter. We, um, we, had, we had put her into a RTI program for reading and her mom's a librarian. So, I mean, I understand. I'm not like the holy grail here. It's, yeah. I had this child that wasn't interested. So I, I just went into what I knew and, and that's why we're kind of talking here. And the key as a parent, and, and let me just say this twice here, reading is not homework. Mm -hmm. Um, Reading is not homework. It isn't a chore. Um, It is an amazing pastime, like your kids enjoy watching YouTube videos or playing a game on their iPad. Um, But the difference with reading is, is it does require brain work and our brains to be stimulated in a different way than our iPads stimulate us. Um, Saying iPads, not reading on an iPad. Um, So if we can try to create the fact that homework isn't a chore or rather reading is not a homework or a chore, Mm -hmm. it's where that first, those first 
strategies come from. Um, so yeah, there are some definite strategies that we've used in our home that I can share with you if you want me to, to go through some of the things that we can do as parents. Um, so the first thing is, is always create a space. It's not only fun, but it designates a safe space for a student to be reading. And that's what they do in that space. They don't do anything else in that space besides reading. So if a student wants to go into this amazing space that you created together or that you did as a surprise, um, encourage them to be using that space to read. That's their reading zone. It's kind of like in the bathroom, you have different areas of the bathroom where you only do certain things, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of very similar to right. a reading spot. You only read in your reading area. So with um, what creating would one of these spots look like? Would we get like a yeah. little chair? Do we get like a tent? Do we make a fort? Or do we yeah, just so that's the corner of their room? How do you? Yeah, well, well let me ask you, do you have a reading place in your home, Colleen? Um, I tend to, if I'm going to read, I usually sit in my bed and I will okay. go my bed. Does your son have a reading space? We have just made him one. We got a tent that was stuck in a closet as an old, like, Christmas gift that we kind of forgot about and brought it out one day when we needed something new during all of this pandemic quarantine. And uh, we put it up in his room thinking it would be a one-time play thing. Maybe we'd get an afternoon or two out of it. And it has had permanent residence there now for a couple of weeks. And he loves to take his books in there during his, uh, it's quiet time because we don't nap anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I understand. So he takes those days are past us too. There, and he and he reads in there. Yeah. So it's kind of become his de facto reading place. We haven't labeled it as such, but he also doesn't well, read, which is another question I have for you. Once we're done talking about this, yeah, what do we do about like our three-year-olds who are old enough yeah. to be looking through books, but not old enough to be reading yet? But yeah, let's finish talking about the reading space first. Yeah, so creating a space, the first thing you want to do is first designate a space, a physical space in the corner of a room. Um, if you have an extra closet, you can even take the doors off um, or That's leave fun. the door. Yeah, leave the door on. I've seen crazy people like where they've created, you know, hobbit doors that the kids can go into through the door. That's their very reading. Harry Potter. Yeah, that's like a, a closet. Um, but the first thing is, and even if you don't have a, a, a large space that you can reutilize a, a closet, you can do this in their bedroom um, or even on their beds by hanging lights. You can build a mm -hmm. fort. Uh, lights are huge. Kids love lights. Um, you can get a really comfy just reading chair to put somewhere in the house. May it be just in a quiet place or in a room that's not always utilized utilize like my daughter's bedroom during the day it's in the back end of the house so it's not always utilized because we're always at the other end so right. she has That's a nice reading quiet yeah she has a reading space in there um and then you can surprise your child with a reading space i personally believe that it's it's much more impactful if a student has uh voice and choice and what they mm -hmm. want but like like you said if you're child loves the sea, you know, the underwater theme, you can decorate it with your child and have them draw fishes and you can hang them up and hang things from the ceiling um, or princesses that you can buy, I think really cheap. You can buy one of those canopies online. Uh, and even if you don't want to spend money, just kind of designating a, a, some pillows on the floor mm -hmm. and maybe even decorating some rocks and make a little rock circle. There's a lot of different things that you can do to make this space inviting. But the key is, is just finding a space where is a safe space for your student 
to feel comfortable and at ease because as adults, when we read, that's what we're doing. We're usually in our comfies. We're usually with a cup of coffee or tea. Like when we think about reading, it's always in a very calm state of mind. So the first thing I would say is to create that space. Um, it's almost like you're making it an event in your house. Yeah, Not just absolutely. something we're doing in our downtime. It is, it is an event in our day. We're going to a place that we are excited to go to in our house and, you know, have some autonomy and picking a book and, and settling in and we're in our comfy clothes and make a cup of hot chocolate and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I really like that. So let's talk a little bit yeah. about, um, let's talk a little bit about a- with those youngest readers. Um, yeah. So is there still some value in students who are, maybe not able to read independently yet, uh, still going through books in quote unquote reading independently by paging through books by themselves, um, by looking at picture books, um, maybe books that could be either above or below their level. Um, And when can we bring in some resources, like for example, story podcasts and things like that? Yeah, this is like dual because there, there's still some other ideas of um, ways besides just creating a space that we can get our kids wanting to read and this kind of goes along with it. Um, and it's a perfect time to ask it. The best time to get your littles reading is now. It, it, now. It is never, you will never say as a parent, I regret reading to my child too early or showing or giving them books, even if they're ripping them up. You more, right. that, That's not going to be something we regret. So um with that and complement to the question of how, how do we get our littles to want to read? Um, the key is like we always say is from a very young age, the more kids see us doing it, the more they're going to do that. And we see that how that can follow suit with negative or positive things. But if kids see their older brother or sister reading, or if they see you as an adult reading, they're going to want to read. So, um, the first thing that with that, with the littles is we need to make sure we're modeling it. When mom and dad are talking or grandma and grandpa are talking, um, it's okay to kind of put those words in, oh, I read today, even if it's on your phone, but I read in this, this journal or I read about this versus just talking. Make sure your kids are hearing that you're reading because we read all the time in different formats, right? right? We don't, a lot of people say like, oh, I hate reading. But then when we actually start thinking about it, we all read actually a lot, um, especially, you know, with what's going on in the news and with COVID and the departments of health, like we're always reading. Um, but it's important for our kids to know that we're doing that. Oh, mom, what are you doing? I'm reading. So, you know, I'm reading this article and and to talk to them about it, even if sometimes you have to kind of adapt what you are reading. Um, but with those littles, those three-year-olds, it's incredibly important to read out loud and have your kids read. And it's really, um, my three-year-old, I don't even read a lot of times the words on the pages because Mm -hmm. what entertains her is farting. So, um, (laughs) if, if I'm I'm reading like and really like your typical three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, look at this character. He goes down the road and he's farting along. Like she just laughs, laughs and laughs. And 
so it's okay to be creative and know that you don't have to actually even read what's on the pages, um, mm -hmm. but read in funny voices, create dialogue, um, have your child pick out a character they want to be in the story. I do this with my three-year-old and then I pick the other one and we kind of act it out as we go along, just making up, well, what do you think they're thinking? What do you think they're mm -hmm. saying without reading the words? Um, there's also some amazing books out there that don't have words in them at all. Just thinking and those, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the other fun thing to do is like overcast. Like if your, your student really doesn't want to pick up a book, I, but they're okay with picking up their iPad. It's really funny to go to YouTube and find books with no words and read a book uh, with your child and making up what those, what they're thinking and kind of pausing along um, as you, as you're reading it, you know, as you're experiencing it maybe. So um, it's okay to bring books to life in that sense where it, I don't think any authors be upset that you're not reading their words. Right. So right. with three-year-olds, I feel like that's something that we do a lot. Um, also too, my three-year-old loves to cook. So I get out little recipes and teach her how to kind of like try to read numbers on the pages and read a recipe. No, can she actually read it yet? No, but she can follow along with how to read from left right. to right and how to go from top to bottom. Um, so yeah. And then we just did in our house the other day, we read um, with Halloween passing us, we read um, room on the broom and then we watched it on Netflix Oh, okay. So, you know, watch the movie, but even with our smalls, we can still, we don't have to watch the, we, I don't have to read Hunger Games to my three-year-old and then right. watch it with her. <laughs> like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of books out there that we can experience the, the visual after reading or experiencing it in um, pages. So well, does that you, answer your question? Yeah. And if you look at the podcast or the resources in the um, episode notes in the show notes, we have a couple different things that sort of link back to this. We have a list of some really great YouTube channels that focus just on uh, story times for kids. So it's just what you were talking about there where you can read the book on your own and then watch that book get animated and mm -hmm. come to life. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also have some uh, story podcasts that some are geared a bit more towards like the elementary middle schools and some are geared more towards mm -hmm. um, the more primary grades, but there's some really great um, podcasts that are out there that are doing sort of free audiobooks in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been a lot of research out there, I know for adults and this applies to kids too, that um, listening to audiobooks has the same benefit to your mm -hmm. brain as reading them. Absolutely. Um, so your brain is still getting all of that benefit, mm -hmm. um, it just in a different format. So if you have a kid like mine who never stops moving, um, a podcast while you're walking, talking about a story could be a good option as opposed to trying to wrestle them to sit down for just, you know, two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just and you did mention yeah, and you did mention that. I get so excited about like reading and what we can do and what mm -hmm. we what we've seen successful in our house. But um, we're going to talk here in a minute about different uh, resources that are available that how we can right. get our kids to read through those resources. And those audiobooks and podcasts are so nice for our kids to be able to decompress and listen. And, you know, right. even my three-year-old, she'll fall asleep to them and it's totally fine. 
Um, and with that too, there's a lot of different, you know, meditation apps that kids can listen to where it's just, it's basically like those rhythms. Like you kind of just get into this body rhythm of understanding the words and, and all Mm -hmm. of that is reading and getting your brain activated to get in, to get ready to read. Because like you said, if, if my three-year-old is listening to a lot of, you know, um, we listen to meditation story videos at Mm -hmm. night, um, audio, they're just stories, meditation stories, but she loves listening to those audio books. And it's because of that evening routine that we created with her to like decompress and to calm and right. And to just listen, you know, or so, because let's be honest, moms and dads and, and guardians out there, it comes eight o'clock at night. I am exhausted. And for me to be like, here comes Chipper Dandy and we're going to read about him. And I have to now like perk up. It is so exhausting. (laughs) So, um, it's really important though, to stay in that routine that doesn't mean your routine and the format of the media that you're reading is being, is taking place has to be the same. You don't have to be, you know, the ringleader every night reading and acting this out. There's some nights that you can put on those podcasts and those, that audio and yeah. And it really, it's, it's really encouraging to make sure your kids are getting it in different formats, right. In different medias. So, um, and I did just mention too, is, the other key here is just getting into a routine with, with creating that space. It's also mm-hmm. just, if your kids know every night they're going to be doing some kind of reading before bed, then it's going to become part of your home norm. Right. And that is probably one of the most important things is just getting into that routine and digging deep as a parent and staying true to it, which I know we all struggle with. Um, I do too. It's, it's real. And then, and not using words like, okay, we can take a break from reading tonight. Because like I said, reading isn't a chore, you know, we get to do it. It's something that we do together. Um, I heard, it was really interesting. I heard a a musician the other day, it was, I mean, literally, I think it was like two days ago, talk about how her parents, and, and I thought about you, Colleen, her parents told um, her brother, um, she and her brother, that they could stay up as late as they wanted as long as they were creating music. Mm-hmm. So they told them, as long as you're, you're creating music, you can stay up as long as you want. But if you're doing anything else but being musically involved, then you need to go to bed. Right. And I thought about that with reading. Like, what if I yeah. told my oldest daughter, you know what, Lily, you can stay up as late as you want as long as you're reading. And I started doing it with her as soon as I heard this. And the other night, she just sat in her bed and, and um, watched her epics and she fell asleep to them. And I was like, yeah. man, that's something, you know? So it's just I, mean, I used different- to do that growing up. I was the kid that to punish me, my mom had to take away my books. Um, that mm-hmm. was, <laughs> so I would hide oh books my gosh, around my I, house. Yes. Um, yes. Trying, like in every little nook and cranny, I had books. Um, I would stay up late, yes. flashlight, reading, reading, reading. Um, and I, I had parents who did that as to me yeah. as a librarian, they would email yeah. me and say, Holly, this, my student is not allowed to check out books for the next, however, but I mean, <laughs> isn't that our, I know you parents it's out the there right now are listening and you're like, yeah, okay. Be quiet ladies. Because I don't know if I could ever be the parent to call the librarian and say, please do not. My child is in trouble. They're not allowed to read, but there are those <laughs> cases are that happen. Goal. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It really does. Yeah, maybe not our ultimate goal to have to get our kids th- that they're in trouble that we have to actually pull away reading. <laughs> but that they love it so much. So much. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that much. Okay, like, so yeah, that's... Here is a little bit. Um, 
So let's talk about um, the practicalities of getting books for your kids. So this is kind of a twofold. A lot of parents don't entirely know how to find the appropriate books. Like they know they can take their kids to the library and just sort of let them run loose. But how do we make sure that the books that they're reading are at the appropriate level where they're maybe a little bit challenging, but not too challenging where it's going to discourage them. And then once we determine the level, um, how do we get access to these books if we don't have, you know, sort of paper hard copies in our home? Um, like what are our options to find these free eBooks? Yeah, I always went with, I know this is wicked old school and I'm aware, but it was the five finger rule. Mm-hmm. So if a student, um, and obviously uh, even with my little, like if, if I do this with her at home, um, even though she can't tell me or not, but I, I can question my seven-year-old and say, hey, did you do the five finger rule if she's wanting to just read all by herself and not wanting mm-hmm. me with her, which rarely ever happens. And that's okay because we talked about that modeling piece and, right. and we're taking steps in our home. We're not at that point where Lily asks, mom, can I go read by myself yet? Right. So um, we're there with you. But the five finger rule, if you've heard it or not, if um, a student opens a book or if you're reading it with them and they don't um, they know all of the words so they can count, um, like zero to one fingers, like they meaning five is they don't know five words. Right. So if they can't count on their fingers, how many words they don't know within the first few pages. And I usually gauge that with like four or five pages, depending on the text, then that means the book's too easy. Um, if they don't know two or three words, we want to say that that book is just right. If okay. they cannot read four or five of the words on the first few pages, then that means the book is too hard or it needs to be read out loud. So um, that's kind of like when we're really talking that independent, I always go with that five finger rule. So when Lily and I go to the library, I was like, okay, let's get the five finger rule. And then she holds up her hand like as a fist mm-hmm. And then as soon as she, I read the first two pages and as soon as she doesn't know a word, she puts it up. And if her fingers go to four, then we say, okay, let's find another book or this will go in the mommy will read to you pile. Right. Um, So that's the first thing. The second thing that makes all of that takes it all away for the most part is that when we subscribe or when schools have free versions, like for example, to Epic, Mm -hmm. um, Epic will gauge your reader based on one, what they're reading, but also by grade level. So Mm -hmm. I really like that because it will kind of gear where your kids are kind of supposed to be. And it really narrows us down to just second grade, for example, or fourth grade. So a lot of those reading apps now take away that five finger rule Mm -hmm. where when we're talking about content um, and appropriateness, it will kind of gauge that. And of course, you know, depending on different families, um, you know, ultimately you have to kind of be able to gauge that for yourself because maybe even in Epic, there's some things in there that may be too scary, like a scary Halloween story because your student is really scared of, of monsters and they don't want to read about monsters even at seven years old. Um, So there, there has to be some self-evaluation there, but ultimately a lot of those reading apps will, um, will help us as, as parents gauge where our kids need to be. Well, and our, if you reach out to your teachers, your students' teachers too, they should be able to give you, um, there's a couple of different types of reading levels. There's DRA, mm-hmm. there's Lexile, there's, there's lots mm-hmm. of different options. And usually a school will tend to follow one of the, the paths and they can give you yeah. 
sort of a band of reading levels. One of the resources that we have too for um, the episode resources on the show notes is a guided reading level test that gives you a DRA level that parents can have their students click through for free online. And it gives you a general, it's not as specific as the one that they might take in schools, but it can give you a general level where your student's at. And then you can go use um, a website called Scholastic Book Wizard, which is really Mm -hmm. cool because you can Mm -hmm. search for a topic if you're, like if you're my son, super into cars and monster trucks, especially. Um, You can search Mm -hmm. for a topic and then filter by reading level to get like a just right reading level to then go Mm -hmm. into those um, library apps. So what are some of the library apps that once parents have a general idea of what level they're looking at for their student, what are some of the library apps that they can use to get access to free eBooks, whether it's with a library card or a school subscription? Yeah. And I, you know, just to, to reiterate that on your, your half, um, I really do appreciate you do, um, mentioning those Lexia levels and those different um, reading levels and reaching out to the teacher because in theory, as parents, we're always so busy that for us to be able to determine as parents, not teachers, what our child's lexile level is, that's kind of out of our frame, our wheelhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're like, okay, this, this is really hard for me. And um, all of the, the parents listening, it's not, it's not necessarily your job to find out what lexile and to test your student to figure out where they're at. So having that good relationship with a with a teacher is really important and I am so happy that you mentioned that because talking to your teacher and just getting their recommendations hey you work with my child every day what do you recommend they read so I just wanted to say that I really do appreciate you know you you talking about that um, and with that being said some of the things uh, libraries and bookstores are amazing places to go uh, obviously the difference is one is free and one is not right. but the experience you don't have to go into a bookstore and spend money. You can get the experience. Um, So, you know, the physical space, which I know right now is limited, but please experience uh, that, that, that treat for your student and get them excited about going to the library and a bookstore. A lot with remote learning, uh, we're not having those same opportunities of being able to see that in person, Mm -hmm. but free with a library card, um, Overdrive and what is the other one, Colleen? Um, Hoopla. Yes, Hoopla. Sorry, I'm, I'm pulling, I'm trying to find my list right now. Those are both free with the library card. I believe, Colleen, will you have the spellings of those in yeah. the, the show notes? Yep. And then also the majority of schools, uh, Epic. Uh, my student uses Epic a lot. We love Epic in our home. It times them. They do have a free or paid version. Um, in our home, we do have the paid version as well, because of course, Lily wanted to read all of the books that weren't right. free. But you do have um, options there. And then also talking to your teacher, because a lot of schools will have other uh, reading apps that your child can participate in, especially right now with remote learning. So reach out to them as well. Um, And then also, Colleen, do you want to talk about some of the podcasts that are available? I know that you have a lot of experience Yeah. And some of the other things that you can do as well is you don't even really need to go to the library. Honestly, there's so many great story podcasts that have started popping up specifically for kids. So I know I listen to podcasts for myself. Um, One story-based one that I love 
that I call um, a poor man's audible, you know, the audible um, on audiobooks is LeVar Burton Reads. So if you're mm-hmm. a millennial that really loved reading Rainbow growing up, uh, LeVar Burton has his own podcast where he reads stories out loud to you. And part of the reason why I love them too is there's a really heavy emphasis on um, minority authors, um, black women authors, people of color authors, um, and they focus pretty heavily on science fiction too. So it's a really interesting um, collection of stories that he tends to pick. Um, But for your kids, there's the Stories Podcast, which is one of the uh, most popular ones out there for kids. It's called Stories Podcast. Um, they have small nuggets of stories. Some are continuing arcs where kids can listen to them like a serialized, um, Charles Dickens type novel where they get a little bit, you know, every week. Um, and others are standalone episodes. There's what if world is a great one. Story Nori is a great one. Uh, little stories for tiny people are all great for, um, You know, if you want to put your kids into a room for their quiet time or nap time and have it running um, sort of in the background. And then six minutes is a great one for sort of middle grades, you know, not quite primary, but um, maybe not high school where it's um, a one big long story arc that's going throughout the full season or full year um, in six minute regular chunks. So Uh, And teachers can use these too in the classroom, which is another thing that I love is that these are not limited to just to parents. Um, Teachers can be using these as a, as a teaching tool. And then something we just recently discovered when we bought um, a Kindle, if you have a Kindle fire for your child that you've purchased recently, it probably came with a subscription to something called Amazon free time. And that's their app um, where you get usually a free year if you buy a Kindle Fire or a Kindle device. And there's so many books on there. There's hundreds of books on there and they're good, like Caldecott winning books. Some of them are narrated. Some of them are just like a pure ebook, but that's a resource that we didn't even realize we had. I was ready to start looking through, you know, there's a section of Amazon Kindle eBooks that are free. There's sections of, you know, Barnes and Noble Nook books that are free. Um, and then we found this whole um, Amazon free time. So if you haven't looked into that, you have a Kindle. Yeah. There's um, also um, with Amazon Prime, for those of you, we all, we all love the A to Z here, um, but Prime reading also includes a, a section of more than a thousand books and magazines um, that you can get for free too with a Prime membership. So that's something to look at as well. I think that's another thing, magazines. We haven't even really delved into Oh my them. gosh. They're kind of a dying art nowadays, but I know some of my favorite reading growing up was my American Girl magazine um, I would take it and save it for a special day. That's why, yeah, I, and that's why I say going to the bookstore is such a is such a, a an art and an experience because they have some magazines there. But we actually use magazines in our home a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughters read them; they use them for art projects. They upcycle them. Um, my daughter's really big into huskies right now, um, so she has a few magazines on huskies, and she loves her magazines. There's Shopkins magazines. There's magazines that you can get pretty much um from from anywhere and on any topic so that's that's a great uh great topic as well to bring up is don't 
you know, and they're sometimes, you know, they're sometimes pretty inexpensive that you can get them. Uh, I know like with Girl Scouts, you can buy a magazine subscription. So um, it's definitely something to think about. It's fun to create bookmarks with your child just to get them excited about using their bookmark. There's a lot of different things that associate to reading that we can do as parents, not necessarily teachers. And like I said, um, just first getting them reading. You have to be able to establish that that like and that love for it. So, so always go back to the basics. You're here just to keep them interested in it. So change it up, change it up, get a magazine. That's a great, uh, and there's also too, Colleen, um, I know that there's a infographic there that I'm probably sure that you'll share that has information on websites and YouTube channels as well. Yeah. Um, I know with the YouTube is huge in our home with story online, with kids time, story time, um, and other animated stories as well. Story time at auntie's house. So I don't know if that's something that you wanted to take a second to talk about, because I know that's definitely a forte of yours. Yeah. So we went and we pulled four of the top, uh, story time, podcast, not podcast, YouTube channels. Um, one yeah. is Storyline Online, which has, you know, some of your favorite um, actors and actresses reading stories to kids. Uh, there's Storytime at Ani's House, Storytime Anytime, and Kid Time Storytime. Uh, so four great channels where if you're looking for a specific book, um, I would bet you can find it on one of those and also sometimes you just need, sometimes you just need a five minute break and, but you don't want to have your mm -hmm. kid be playing, you know, a full game yeah. or something like that. Um, and that's a really great time filler. We have used those as well. Um, also to that nighttime when you're, when you're feeling like you need a break parents and tonight is not going to be the night where you want to read and you need to be on. Uh, we always tap into personally in our, in our home with the Kelly house, the story online. We, we I get a kick out of it. To be honest, some of the actors and actresses are really quite humorous. Some of them yeah. reading them. I've gotten some really, uh, really strong giggles out of some of them. Okay. So let's talk about now sort of the final part of this. We have, gauge their interest in found books that we think they'll understand, they'll love, and we'll, and we'll keep them reading. We give them the special dedicated space in the house um, where they can read. We encourage reading time. We dedicate reading time every day, every night, whatever it might be for your house. The third sort of part of this triad is then sort of our follow-up and our follow-through and talking to kids about what they're reading. Now, I know um, then talking to a lot of my friends who are parents, a lot of times parents struggle with feeling like, how do I do this sort of thing? Like imaginary play, for example, you know, you can be a wonderful, great, amazing parent, but still feel like you don't quite know how to do imaginary play with your kids. Um, mm -hmm. the same thing can happen when it comes to reading you might know how to discuss what you are reading as an adult with another adult, but feel a little apprehensive about, you know, tackling the little blue truck with your three-year-old. <laughs> like, mm -hmm, how much is there really to discuss about it? So what we've done for this is you have recorded a discussion with your daughter, right? About what's something that you guys read. 
Yeah, so that's great. Uh, and this was really fun to do. Lily, uh, remember choice. I just told Lily, Lily, go ahead and, and pick a reading book. Out. We'll read it this morning before school for a few minutes. And she picked out a little Lego book. It was a book that came with her Legos um, that had to do with the, the deep sea and ocean and keeping our ocean safe. So we read it and I went through and just kind of did how we would normally read a book together so we can kind of explore that. Okay, so we're going to play some clips from it. We'll pause it, sort of dissect it, do a play-by-play like you might see, you know, on you know, a football or baseball game. Instead, we are dissecting reading with your kid. So why don't we get started? Holly, why don't you hit play? The Sea Life Pledge. You read these ones with the explanations. Hi there. Good job. If you love the underwater world and want to help save ocean creatures, then you can become a sea life friend. It's so easy. Start by signing this pledge. Oh, wow. Become a sea life friend. I promise to do my best to take care of the sea and all of the life inside of it. So is this the pledge then? What does that pledge remind you of? The ocean and the American flag. The American flag. And when else do you take a pledge? Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts, right? You do on my honor, I will try, right? You make a promise. And this is what this is. And so what's this pledge promising to do? Keep the ocean safe. Yeah. So um, right here, we're reading this book about this Lego ocean and taking care of the ocean. And um, in this, there's this talk about that Lily can literally take a pledge, mm -hmm. right? To be able to help protect and serve the ocean. Right. So, um, there you see as just me reading with her rather than just reading everything off the pages i'm really just talking to her about it and mm -hmm. saying you know well what does this remind you of and it reminded her of the united states the flag you right. know honoring your flag i think is what she was thinking about and then i also kind of um, related it to a pledge that she takes in her life which is when she does her girl scout code Right. Um, and she does that by her flag on her vest. And, and then we continue talking about Girl Scouts and how the pledges are similar, how she pledges to Girl Scouts and how the pledge to um, honoring the ocean and, and keeping it safe on how that's uh, the same. So that's kind of just one of those examples of just having conversations and correlating what Lily already knows to right. what's here, right? What she's reading. And that question, what does this remind you of, can be so powerful. Um, so I was a former English teacher, and one of the big things that we work on as an English teacher is there's three types of um, comparisons that you can make while you're reading. You can compare text to text. So what in this book is reminding you maybe of something earlier in the book or a different book you read? Um, there's text to self. So what in this book is reminding you of something in your own life? Um, then there's text to world, which is what in this book is reminding you of something in your neighborhood or your community or your you know larger school? So that question of what does it remind you of, you can say, what does this remind you of in our house? Or what does this remind you of in our family? Or what does this remind you of at your school? depending on, you know, the context of the book, what does this remind you of, or what does this make you think, or even how does this make you feel, are some very simple, basic questions, which can then, 
you know, open up lots of other connections and discussion points for you. Yeah, um, this is, that's huge because um, Lily and I talk about that in the text too, about when we see trash. Well, how does that make you feel? How would you feel if your home had a ton of trash in it? Or how does it feel when your our house is messy? You know, and, and what can we do that helps our home? And what can we do that helps the sea? That, you know, we had talked about as well. And um, those are really great points, Colleen. I'll share one more clip. This is actually real life kind of funny. Uh, so go ahead and, uh, and listen here. Okay, let's learn. Welcome to the reef. Whoa. How can you tell this is a reef? That, that, and that. What's that? Turtle. In the... So turtles live in the reef? That thing is a reef. Yeah, and well, what's this stuff back here and this? Re and that? That's, um, uh... Coral. Coral. Yeah, coral. That's how you... So a, a telltale sign of knowing you're in the reef is always by seeing coral, right? Uh -huh. So let's learn about the, the reef. Colorful coral reefs are found in sunlit, shallow waters. They're, so is it really deep or is it... Really deep. Well, no, not really deep. Shallow. Shallow. So is shallow really, really, really deep or... No. Is, no. It's like this. Like this. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, they're full of so much life that they're known as the rainforest of the sea. Did you know that? I don't even know if I knew that the coral reef was called a rainforest of the sea. What's similar to this in a rainforest? Rainforest. You know, in a rainforest in the in Rain. the park. Well, there's water. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? What else you see in a rainforest when you close your eyes? Trees. Trees and are trees black and white? No. What color? Green. Green. Right, and what do you see here in this green. picture? Is this all black and white? No. What do you see? Greenness all over. Yeah, lots of color. When you push the online pledge button, you can choose the awesome sea creature to add to the virtual Lego reef. Okay. <coughs> I'm going to test you here about coral reefs. Ready? Coral reefs might look like weird rocks. But they're actually alive. They're alive. They're made up of thousands of teeny animal called polyps. Polyps. I may be saying that wrong. What do you think? How do you think you say that word? Polyps. You think that? I don't think it's polyps. I think polyps is something entirely different. I think it's polyps. Polys. Polys? It kind of looks like polys, but there's a P there. Polypies. <laughs> you sound it out. You tell me. Polakies. <laughs> and they said There's no K in there. Polaki. All right. Uh, we're going to have to look this up. Where's your iPad? It's like me and you. I think we're going to have to look this up. No, it's funny. Come on. Oh, oh Mommy, look. Who's coming down? Okay, so this is a real life experience, right? <laughs> Even if you know words and you're struggling mm -hmm. with them, allow your student to struggle. This right. is the best thing I have ever piece of advice. Like when I, it's okay to have silence and give your child a minute to think. And you saw that there when I, when I said, well, what does this look like? And she's saying there, there, and there. Well, what is there? 
um, encouraged descriptive language. And then mm -hmm. you saw right um, in the case that Lily and I stumbled along the word polyps. So then when I thought about it for a second, I was like, okay, I know what it is. But then we both questioned it. And I allowed her to see as a mom that I don't have all the answers. And when I don't, we Google it. And right. so then what did we do? We went on her iPad live time. We went to YouTube and had it, we typed in, how do you pronounce? And then we did it that way. And then we said, oh, we were right. You were right, Lily. And I encouraged her and then I was, and then I said, oh, I shouldn't have questioned myself because I said it right the first time. Well, and, um, also, and it's basically really... modeling. Yes. So yeah, you were really modeling that thought process and how do we recognize, oh, maybe I don't know how to say that word. What, hmm, let's sound it out. What context clues can we use? Like I, at one point you said, I don't see a K in there. There's no K in there. So we shouldn't be putting a K sound into the word. Um, modeling that thought process, I think is so important. If you ever were to sort of spy on you know, a, a primary classrooms, like kindergarten, first, second grade, that is a lot of what those teachers are doing is they're modeling a thought process that to us seems so basic. And so, you know, it's second nature. Um, but for students, they really have to learn how to get from point A to point B to point C to point D. And they don't do that if they don't have role models talking it out. So yeah, even and if you I, feel silly doing it, yeah. if you've already made the decision and you know what the outcome is, modeling that thought process for how your student can make some assumptions about what they're reading, I think is so important. And I think too, like one, you heard laughing. I was having <laughs> fun reading this with her. Like, and the voices, the voices were great. Yeah. Re I, I use voices. We do that. We laugh about it. We act. Um, it's a, we are, we're okay with not knowing. We look things mm -hmm. up. Um, we, we talk about when you just said we don't know how to play sometimes. Right. If you don't know that or you find it incredibly boring to read, talk about what's on the pages. Make it animated. Make your books come to life um, just within that 15 to 20 minutes. Lily and I read for 15 minutes this morning and we read a total of six pages. Did we finish the book? No. I said, okay, we'll finish this later. Will we? Maybe, maybe not. But we read for 15 minutes mm -hmm. together just talking about it. And that's where it brings us back to the beginning. And I really want to encourage as parents, there is a ton of ways we can get our kids to read. Just have fun, model it, and enjoy the time that you have with your student, with your child, just sitting down, unplugging, putting your phones away and just be present with them and read. It can come, um, like Colleen talked about, it can come in all of these different formats, podcasts, meditation videos, YouTube videos, mm -hmm. books, the library, the bookstore, book clubs with your friends. However it comes, just take time to get in a routine with your child and just be a part of the art and the joy of reading and find if you're struggling where you've never liked to read, take the time to enjoy it with your kid now. Exactly. I couldn't have put it better myself. So 
On that note, we are going to wrap it up today. I want to thank Holly for her time and her expertise today. And all of the resources we have been mentioning throughout this episode will all be linked in the show notes. We have them in an easy, quick infographic form. We also have a a much longer list with full descriptions and website links there as well. So please go dig through those resources find some new ways to read with your students. And next time when you join us for the Spark Parent Podcast, the next episode in the series, we'll be talking about well-being and social emotional uh, wellness with your students during remote and hybrid learning. All right. Thank thanks you, so much, Colleen, everybody. So much. I always, I always talk, enjoy talking to you. So thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye everybody. For more information on the SPARK program, please visit www.ltcillinois.org slash SPARK.